Turn your Bibles to Matthew 6. Um, Ms. Gail, could you give me a little more in-house volume? Test one, two, test something that sounds... There we go. Thank you. Matthew 6, 9. <coughs> Let's uh, open up in prayer. Let's thank God for our time together and uh, for the privilege and honor of hearing and learning His Word with humility and reverence. So with that in mind, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for all that you continue to do for us through Jesus Christ our Lord, through his sacrifice. Thank you for providing your word and that it is endless, bottomless, and that we never tire of learning what your word states and how you state it. We thank you for this <coughs> teaching in the gospel that the Lord gave us on prayer. We thank you for the privilege of praying. And as we will see today, that you will always provide our needs. And uh, we thank you, Father, for your love, for the fact that you give, that it is of your nature to give. And you've given us our greatest gift, our Lord and Savior, and day in and day out, you provide for our needs. We ask, Father, that through your Spirit, each of us would be um, shown uh, how to interpret and understand what prayer really is. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So, <clears throat> what we're going to look at today is, we'll start the final three petitions that are in uh, verses 11, 12, and 13. And, but before we go into detail about them, what I want to look at today is their order. Uh, so as we read the prayer, pray then in this way, as the Lord says, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. These uh, first three petitions... Speak of the first three petitions. Um, no, I don't look at that slide. That's not the one. I missed it. But anyway, the first three petitions. Sorry, are adoration and worship of God for His person, our Father who is in heaven, holiness. So that's His person, His name, His nature. Uh, we worship God for uh, the fact that He has given us His kingdom and that we're members of it, that we seek for it, and that uh, we have His will to do, and that this kingdom that we live in, though it's not here on earth, it is in heaven, 
we still get the privilege of living by its laws and its way. And so as, as so that last part, on earth as it is in heaven, applies to all three, uh, that we see his name as holy, that we seek for and desire his kingdom, and that we do his will. So then, in, in the final three, then God speaks of three things, um, our body, our bodily needs, our mental needs, and our spiritual needs. And you would think after, you know, if we were going to put them in order ourselves, after saying your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you would start with the spiritual. And then maybe, you know, at the end, the physical, least important. But in this case, the Lord starts with the physical. And it's nothing more than bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. In Luke's account, it's forgive us our sins uh, <clears throat> as we have forgiven our debtors. The, that remains the same in Luke. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, <clears throat> so the, the first three petitions, that, as I said, are about adoration. I think we'll... we'll We'll skip this passage for for now. But in my notes, I have Revelation 11 where, well, what the heck, let's go to it. Revelation 11, turn there. Revelation 11:15. There's a scene in heaven where God is glorified for the coming of his kingdom. And in Revelation 11, of course, we know in Revelation at the end, in chapter 20, the kingdom of God does come to earth after Satan is defeated. And God, when Jesus Christ returns, he establishes his millennial reign for a thousand years. And uh, and so this is seen in heaven before it happens. Uh, in verse 15, uh, Revelation 11:15. Then the seventh angel sounded and there were loud noises in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Now, all of us long for that day, right? Your kingdom come. That's, that's exactly what we're praying, that we uh, do not get, when we're praying about his kingdom, we want to maintain in our own minds the fact that we live in that kingdom, that we walk in that kingdom, although it's not physically here yet. Uh, and that that is our focus, is, is and not the world's kingdom. And we can get easily caught up in the world's kingdom, uh, in the problems of the world. And we are not to. They're not the problems of the world. Whatever we can actually make better, alleviate for the kingdom of God, we do. But there's no way that any, the whole church uh, joined together is not, are not going to make this world the kingdom of God. That's not going to happen until Christ brings it. So, But note what they do. Now, the kingdom of the world, again in verse 15, has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on the thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God. And so you see, this this desire for the kingdom, this rejoicing over the kingdom. And that's rejoicing over, you know, not that God is going to make our lives easier. 
which it is. It's going to be a lot easier to live in that kingdom than this one. Um, and, and that there's going to be no problems, because there won't be. Uh, there'll be problems during the millennium, but not for believers, uh, and and so on. But it's it's really the the way of the kingdom, the laws of the kingdom, the righteousness of the kingdom. You know, what is the kingdom really made of? I mean, it's not just a place. You know, it's a it's a way. It's a life. And and that, you know, once we're as we look for it, we worship God for it. And we thank him for it. And that's what they do. Whoever these 24 elders are, there's various interpretations, but that need not concern us today. What do they say in verse 17? We give you thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who are and who were, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. And the nations were enraged. See that? They lost their kingdom. And they're mad about it. The nations were enraged. Your wrath came. And the time came for the dead to be judged. And the time to reward your bondservants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, the small and the great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. Uh, And, you know, this is our end. This is what we long for, we look for. Uh, But though we're not physically in that kingdom yet, we live for it. Uh, we invite others into it through the gospel. So there's something to be said for the truth that in order to really understand the words of our Lord's Prayer, we have to pray it. To really understand it, we have to, over years, pray it day in and day out. Uh, Lloyd-Jones, who writes a great commentary on this in his book called Studies in the Sermon on the Mount, says this, Any man who attempts to preach the Lord's Prayer must surely find himself in great difficulties. And I do. (laughs) There is a sense in which it is almost presumption to preach on it at all. One should simply repeat these phrases and meditate upon them and consider them from the heart. For they themselves say everything. And the more I study this prayer, the more I believe that if only one used these phrases as our Lord intended them to be used, There is really nothing more to be said. But on the other hand, we are all frail and fallible. We are sinful creatures. And the result is that we need to have these things analyzed and enforced. And, you know, how many of us have ignored this prayer over the years? And that's due to what? Just what Lloyd-Jones said, uh, our frailty, our sinfulness. Um, But we don't have to. We don't have to neglect it. Not anymore. And why is that? Well, it's for a really good reason. We love to study God's Word. And we love to study all of God's Word. And by doing that, we come to this yet again. We studied it years ago. Uh, And I, you know, to to confess, I I wasn't using it as I should have and as I've learned what it is in this case. And so, though we will... Uh, complete this, analyze all the petitions in it, I would say to you, for all of us, the only way to truly understand it is to pray it again and again, day in and day out through our lives. Uh, We can study it and become experts at it, I guess, 
we could get a Ph.D. in the Lord's Prayer if such a thing exists. But uh, if we don't pray it, we're not going to understand it. Now, the, the last three petitions have reference to our own needs and desires. They, and they summarize, what's up? First three petitions. Thank you, Gail. I guess I can't read. I did have that slide. All right. I've been out of practice. I have a week off, you know. Uh, so the last three petitions have reference to our needs and desires, and they summarize our whole earthly life. Uh, what makes this prayer so incredibly amazing is how short it is. Uh, and yet, our whole life is summarized in these last three petitions. Body, mind, and spirit. And under each category, there are thousands of subcategories. You know, what about, what about our personal needs? Well, how many needs are there besides bread? Of course, we need, he doesn't say give us water, but, you know, uh, I think, I'm sure that our Lord... Uh, knows that we can understand that what he means by bread is everything that we need to live, and that physically. Uh, under each category, if we take all three together, there would be millions of seemingly different circumstances, events, that as we could classify them, uh, but the Lord doesn't do that. He gives us three simple headings. And under these headings, we pray for these things as we need them. So first, give us uh, our bread as our physical needs. Forgive us our debts as actually our mental needs. And as we'll see this, you know, what is what the Lord sees so clearly that we won't is that what your mind really needs is a lack of shame, first off, because we're all sinners. We need to be forgiven, and we need to know we're forgiven. But, as we know from the Scripture, that if we let sin rule our lives, knowing we're forgiven, we still have sick minds. If sin is ruling us, it is damaging us, and it's damaging our minds and our bodies. Uh, And over time, sin decays us. The less of it, the better. All of us have some. Some of us have more than others, but all of us have some. And therefore, our mental needs is to know that we're forgiven, and therefore we don't live with condemnation or shame or embarrassment. Uh, A low self-image will ruin your mind, even though we are low. But what has Christ made us to be? We're really quite marvelous. And Christ told us to be marvelous, to be extraordinary. Uh, and the other part of our mind is our relationship with others. People are going to sin against us, and we have to forgive them. All of them. Now, wait a minute. All of them? Yes, all of them. Ephesians 4 says we forgive as Christ, as God in Christ has forgiven us. And then finally, notice the order. Then it's the spiritual needs. Lead us not into temptation. Is walking this narrow path that is the Christian life. 
the Christ-like life. Lead us not into temptation. Those are our spiritual needs. So we could call it whole person, uh, body, soul, and spirit. Our whole life is found in these three petitions. And therefore, in such a small compass, our Lord has covered the whole of our lives in every respect. And, un- and we would pray appropriately under these categories, things that are, are particular needs that are physical, particular needs that are mental, particular sins that need to be overcome. Um, and knowing forgiveness always. And every day, you know, what are the circumstances that are uh, trying to impede us from walking the narrow road that leads to life or that is life? And those are spiritual needs. They vary from day to day. But under this main category, they are met by not falling into temptation. Right? That's getting off the road. And, uh, and that temptation comes, as, he, as we see, from the devil himself or the evil one. So Lloyd-Jones, continuing his commentary, says, think of all the activities going on in the world at this moment. When, when he says this moment, he means like 70 years ago. But uh, think of all the activities going on in the world at this moment. The organizing, the planning, the legislation, and all the other things. They are, for the most part, concerned with nothing but the body of man, his life and existence in this world of time. You know, what is Washington concerned about? Material things. What do governments provide for people? And rightly so, even the, the good ones. But all governments have to provide certain substance by which people in a society can live. And they're all physical. What else can governments do? Uh, you cannot legislate anything but the physical. Roads armies, um, you know, uh, food and clean drinking water, uh, freedom. You know, freedom is a physical thing that no one can come and take your stuff, that you have a right to the land that you own, and no one can take it. Uh, If someone does break the law against you, that they will be prosecuted for it. These are all physical. You cannot legislate anything other than the physical. For example... Progressive policymakers in the past tried to legislate charity, the New Deal. FDR's New Deal is a charity thing. Uh, And and that went into uh, ultra drive with um, LBJ. And did it work? No. Poverty's all gone. It spent, I've read once that the New Deal over from when it started to now is in the trillions of dollars have been spent. And poverty has only increased. Why doesn't it work? You can't legislate charity. No one, not even God, can make a person charitable. He can't force us to be. No one can make a person love. No one can make a person have, as we'll see with this uh, part of this uh, petition, is temperance. And boy, do I need that. (laughs) Self-control. We will find, and the scripture makes this very clear, that your contentment is linked to your ability to control yourself. Uh, God, we say, God, give us 
what you will. Now, there's a lot of other things that I can go after in the world that are not of God's will. And I can go get them. And by not getting them, I'm exercising control. By not taking them, I'm exercising control. And so I'm only under God's will. So we can see here, your will be done, petition three, is absolutely linked to the physical life. Because this body is the vessel that I'm going through the world in. And it's important. Uh, the, the Gnosticism of the past degraded the body, said it was, you know, all physical matter is evil. We also know from the scripture, something the Gnostics didn't, is that the body is where sin resides. Right? The sin nature. And so it's easy for us to say, well, the body doesn't really matter. The spiritual is all that matters. But the spiritual is what matters. But the spiritual is to control the body. And if we don't control it, we won't be content. And, and the scripture is wonderfully smart. I would never thought of that. You see that connection. But Paul makes it really clearly. We'll see that tomorrow. Uh, <clears throat> mankind, though, needs more than physical. Communism and socialism try to ignore this. In other words, the government's going to take all the assets and just kind of dole them out. Uh, you know, uh, you know, transition of, what do they call it? Redistribution of wealth. And, uh, and so... You know, we're just going to give people enough to live and they'll be good. But they're not good. Um, the mental needs and spiritual needs of mankind are absolutely necessary for a person to function properly. Just having our physical needs met does not make us content. Uh, who can provide the spiritual needs? Well, only God. And we know that. Uh, who can provide love and purpose, right? That's an invisible thing, purpose. It manifests itself physically, but, you know, my purpose, what I'm, what I'm called to be, uh, love and, you know, hope. These are things that man needs. I need to be occupied with things in my mind and also spiritual things. Uh, but here, and we know those things come from God, but what about the physical? It's interesting. This is the only petition of the six where we see give us. That's the only petition that uses the word give. And we're saying to God, give to us. <clears throat> it is remarkable that the only use of the words give us is for that which we are most inclined to think that we could get by our own exertions. Right? Food, bread. Spiritual things and miracles we know come from God, but do we remember that bread does as well? Bread, water, air, shelter, what we need physically to live. The maintenance of our bodies is therefore a gift from God. And we are to use our bodies for His glory. His will, petition three. And we'll see tomorrow that that being under God's will and trusting him to take care of your needs is the key to contentment. Not 
I trust God you'll do everything and I'm going to go do my own will. You will not find contentment. I know this by experience, but I've learned it crystally from the scripture. Uh, And it goes along with my experience. Ignoring God's will while trusting him to provide for you logistically, which he will, is not the path to contentment. Sin robs us of everything. And that's going to be our next one. So, we have to be impressed that our Lord is that smart. Short prayer. You could memorize in minutes. And it covers everything. So, we look at the order of the final three. Again, after the high exaltation of God in the first three, the Father's name, His holiness, His kingdom, His will on earth as it is in heaven, we would expect the first order of business of the needs of man to be spiritual needs. But instead, we find the opposite. Since the first half of the prayer is in an obvious order, we would expect the second half to be in an order as well. But the Lord doesn't explain the order. He just gives it to us and leaves it, leaves it to us to figure it out. Now, I would also say that the order does not always have to be adhered to. And I've had people ask me this, you know, what if, you know, sin, I've committed a sin and I need to deal with it. Can I do that first or I have to say our Father who is in heaven and so on. You do not have to do that. Uh, The order doesn't always have to be adhered to, but at some point in the day, it must be. So if I'm dealing with sin or, for instance, our Lord's prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. He didn't go through the whole progression, at least what we know. What's recorded for us is let this cup pass from me, if it be your will. So he's really praying petition three, your will be done. And that's what he gets to. Uh, However, as we have seen in our focus, sorry, as we have seen, if we focus our prayer first on praising and thanking the Father for his person, kingdom, and will, and seek those things, then our petitions concerning our problems and our issues are altered in a good way. However, all of us are going to pray as we need it, but at some point in the day, and I would say daily, that this prayer has to be done just as it is given. It doesn't have to be word for word as it's given. But the six petitions and what they mean must be followed. And when you follow them in order, you know, who are we to tell the Lord, your order's wrong, we're going we're gonna to change it. We're not smart enough to do that. Uh, so, whatever's on our mind, pray it. But at some point, pray this prayer, and I say slowly contemplate each petition for what it means, and every day you'll discover something new about it. So what about the order of the last three? Again, the Lord doesn't tell us why, so I'm going to offer my understanding of why, and if you, have a, if you find another explanation, please tell me. And we can share this as we grow. As we use the prayer, we're going to see more and more about it. 
But as I see at this point, we must know that our physical and mental needs are met by God and therefore relieving us of all anxiety. And then we can focus on our spiritual needs, our spiritual, you know, what our spiritual life is supposed to be. Think of, um, you know, if you had, uh, <clears throat> if, if you were in want for food and water, it would be really hard to be focusing on high spiritual things. If your stomach, you know, I've never been as hungry as I've seen people in the survival shows that I like on TV, and they are absorbed with food. Go three, four days without food, and you will be absorbed with it. Go a couple days, go a day without water, and you that's all you will want. So what if we're nervous about our needs? What if we're anxious? If you go, go back to Matthew 6, please. As our Lord teaches us about this anxiety problem, And that uh, very famous passage in 1 Peter 5, cast all your cares upon him, right? Uh, So Matthew 6, 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Don't be worried about it. Well, what am I to be concerned about? He tells us in verse 33, seek first. My kingdom. Wait a minute, Lord. You said seek first my kingdom, but you told me to pray first for bread. Well, you know, there's a difference between what we're praying to God and what we're seeking for in our overall lives. We need to know that our physical needs are always going to be met. If a deep a recession or a great depression happens in this nation and our savings dry up and the shelves get empty at the supermarket, um, it'll be very easy for us to get anxious and worried. And when you're, how much praying, legitimate praying will you do? You know, when you're anxious about things instead of content. I mean, you'll pray. Everybody who's about to die prays. (laughs) Everybody who's starving prays. The atheists are praying when things get rough. Um, but hopefully we would remember. Say, Lord, give us today our daily bread, and I know that you will. So, And he says in Matthew 6.32, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Right? He already knows. So he's going to provide. And that's the obvious implication, that God's going to provide all of these things. And knowing this in light of God's sovereignty and his omnipotence, he can do anything. These petitions, the the first two of the three petitions give us contentment. Body, mind. My body's going to be taken care of. Now I've got to use this body to do God's will. This is how I get through life. I've got to use it to his glory. My mind has to be in a place where it's not overly concerned with, I don't know, personal issues. You know, where do you feel anxiety? You feel it physically. 
in the little solar plexus, you feel it. But in your brain, your brain gets dysfunctional when you're fear, afraid, when you're anxious, and all other sins that are of the mind. <coughs> so the fourth petition now uh, is about contentment. Give us today our daily bread or our necessary bread. It forces us to ask the question, do I choose a life that best serves myself and then hope for some opportunities to serve God as if God's the leftover? Or do I choose a life that serves God according to his will and the path that he has given me and then know that as I'm serving him, all my needs will be met? I do God's will. God's always going to provide my needs. But as I do his will, I know I don't have to be overly concerned with what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink, what I'm going to wear, just like our Lord told us. Right? The Lord wasn't concerned with it. And neither shall we be. So this word contentment is a marvelous word. Let's look at it in one place. Go to Philippians 4. Uh, we'll return here tomorrow, but we're going to look at uh, several passages that use this word. But just to see it here quickly, Philippians 4.11, very famous passage. So the context is that the Philippians had sent Paul uh, a financial gift that was very, uh, it was large. And he, Paul said, and he thanks him for it. Uh, and then he says in verse 11, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. <clears throat> See that word content. Uh, it's used in multiple places. Uh, and, uh, as, well, we'll see where it's used. The, uh, the word content is something, or the uh, ability to be content. Notice, as Paul says it here, that he learned it. It doesn't come naturally. Over last week, I had the privilege of looking at not my own, only my own daughter, but four of her cousins, and they were all hanging out together all week. And uh, contentment is not something that is natural to man. As I was sitting in my chair with my laptop, I was studying the word contentment. While these kids were running around wanting this, I want that, and this one didn't get that one, and then they're fighting and they're crying and. And uh, I'm like, wow, they're not content. And that's because it has to be learned. So then he says in verse 12, I know how to get along in humble means, and I know how to live in prosperity. And why is that self-control? Well, if I'm in humble means, meaning he's in, he's in want, he's not going somewhere to get it. In other words, if he's in want and privation, in danger, as Paul always was while he was, not always, but at certain times he was, while he's doing God's will as an apostle traveling with the gospel, uh, he didn't stop. He could say, you know what, let's put off the traveling for the rest of this year. Let's return to Jerusalem and, you know, sit in comfort. And there was one in his group who did that, John Mark. Mark left. Mark left went back to Jerusalem, probably for that reason. And he was young. But Paul didn't do that. 
Just like when our when the disciples in John 4 asked the Lord if he had eaten anything, and he said, I have food to eat that you don't know. The will of my Father is my food. And, and Jesus wasn't going to stop ministering to the Samaritans and have lunch. He was probably very hungry. You know, we, we find out in the opening of that chapter of John 4 that he sits down at the well where the Samaritan woman came because he was exhausted. It says that he was tired. You say, wait a minute, the Lord can't be tired. He's God. He had limited himself to humanity. So, this means I choose to serve God according to his will and I'm not going to be afraid about my needs, my physical needs or my mental needs. So Paul continues and he says, I've learned, uh, uh, I know how to get along in humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, Paul can't do everything, but he can do all things that God will God wills him to do. So we must rest in the fact that our physical and mental needs are met before we can truly explore and discover our spiritual needs. People who are fearful of their supply of water or shelter, as we said, are anxious for their lives and they have no time for spiritual things. <clears throat> so, can we see now how this petition, connected seamlessly with the first three, completely annihilates any monetary lust? Your will, your kingdom, you, Father, your holiness. You're the celebrity, not me. It destroys monetary lust. Though I have seen Christians who claim to know the dangers of monetary lust, but they are ruled by it. They throw themselves into it. There's only one way you know that. And not that I'm judging anybody. I just know people who were... They knew it. This was taught to them. And I fall into the same trap at times as well. But we must not be slaves to money or things or materials because, well, first, we're not taking them with us. God makes that very clear. That's the way he puts it. You, you know, you're, you're going you're gonna to leave this earth with nothing other than what you have accomplished in God's will. So we might ask, then, why would God ever allow us to be in want in the first place? Why would he allow us to have problems in our physical, material lives? And the reason is plain. God wants us to seek him when it's difficult as well as when it's easy. If we only seek God when it's easy, then uh, we're not really seeking him. God shows us that you know, to glorify him, we will seek him when things are hard, when it's hard to. <clears throat> for instance, the father, was the father more glorified by his son being in the wilderness, not eating anything for 40 days or one day? And if he went without food for one day, well, there'd be something. But for 40, uh, he glorified his father greatly. So, 
with no worry about our physical needs, then we find that we have mental needs. Life is more than physical survival. If our, men, our physical needs are met, are met, and we find that we're not happy still. And someone was in privation or in want, and then suddenly everything is provided for them. Um, someone who moves from the, the slums of India to America, and they live in an abundant country. I think I've shared with you, I, I listened to, I, I didn't listen to the whole book. I got, I got fed up with hearing about poverty. <laughs> it was, but the, this, these slums that exist in India are amazing. The people are called untouchables. <clears throat> and not, that's not, not in a good way. They're called untouchables because you, can't, you shouldn't touch them. They're, they're the worst, the lowest, the poorest. They die young age. Addi- one of their addictions is to uh, whiteout because they can't afford drugs. So people get addicted to whiteout. They snort it. <coughs> get you high or dizzy. And you do that long enough, you destroy your brain and your body. And they have nothing. But then they come to America and I, get, I met a few, but the people I've met from India are not from the slums, but the, the convenience store across the street is, I, I meet all the Indians that come to work there, and uh, I talk to them, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, you know, they have it good here. Does that mean that now, now once your physical needs are met, that you're going to be happy? The answer is no, and we know that. Uh, <clears throat> for our mental needs, the Lord here tells us that what we need for our minds is forgiveness. We need to be forgiven and know we're forgiven. And what we also need for our minds is to forgive others because we're all sinners here. And if we're filled with uh, <coughs> shame, guilt about our past, our minds will be sick. If because of others we're filled with bitterness or anger, then our minds will be sick. Forgiveness and not allowing sin to rule my life. Because again, it's not, I know I'm forgiven. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness, and I'm just going to throw myself into sin. And you're forgiven. And you are, of every one of them. And it will eat you alive. Your mind and your body. So life is more than physical survival. People who have their needs met do not automatically find peace and fulfillment. One of the biggest industries in the world, especially in the West, is the drug industry. There are plenty of medicines that people can get. I'm, and I know people legitimately use medicine. I'm not. That's between you and God and your doctor. But <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of people on medicines just for the fact that they can't handle life. Like regular life makes them anxious. And so we take a physical pill that dulls the mind, removes the anxiety. But how does it do it? Well, it alters my brain chemistry. Recreational drugs and other vices that distract the mind, internet, internet things, 
are always ways in which people cope with or delay or allay their psychosis because it's coming. They have no purpose in life. They have, they're filled with guilt and shame. Uh, they're filled with low self-image. And so we were provided for us this by the world, the world system, is this distraction, whether it's, um, whether it's drugs, alcohol, uh, other, other things that distract us and help us cope. And the Lord gives our mental needs the heading of what? Forgiveness of sins. It doesn't make any sense at first. And we'll explore it more, but as we explore it, we'll see that it makes perfect sense. The Lord knows that shame and guilt over sin and failure are prisons for our minds. We have to move on. We have to forgive ourselves. But we can't be ruled by sin either. And so we have His will to do. And as we pursue that will, even love that will, we fail. You will beat yourself up more as you desire God's will more. As you, as you begin to conquer sin in your life, when you do sin, and you will, you will beat yourself up more than you did years ago when you sinned aplenty. Because it's the, it becomes in your spiritual life the last thing you want to do. And so, what if you, you can't move on? Your mind suffers in its own prison. Uh, the sins that others commit against us can possibly be prisons for our soul. Our jealousy of others. Our anger at others. Our occupation with others. They're getting away with it. They've hurt me. They've hurt me again. They said that to me. I can't believe they said that. And your bitterness, your anger, your occupation with others is ruining your mind. It's not free. So we must know and rest in our own forgiveness from God and forgive others who sin against us, who are therefore in debt to us. But it's not just forgiveness alone, as I said. If we continue in sin, our minds will not prosper. So we think, well, it's only spiritual, right? Our bodies don't matter. Our minds don't matter. They matter greatly. Hence, the Lord has left the spiritual life to the last petition. He wants us to know that we have to be healthy, body and mind, to pursue the spiritual life. And to pursue it well is what I mean. <clears throat> Sin is not only a spiritual cancer, it is a physical cancer. Sins of addiction slowly and surely destroy the body. But also sins like jealousy, bitterness, anger, revenge, worry, fear, etc. do the same. They actually hurt our bodies. Um, it is very well documented that stress lowers your immune system. People get sick when they're stressed. And they can't function. The stress and anxiety over you know, who I really am as a sinner. And you know who you are. Aren't you? <laughs> you can say, look me right in the eyes and say the same to me. A sinner. It can destroy us if we don't have forgiveness. So you see, our physical needs give us this bread today, our daily bread. Our mental needs 
We need to be forgiven and to forgive others. And then we can truly focus on our spiritual need. The speed at which sins destroy the body may vary, but they eventually do. And I, and I thought of this, I, uh, I, in my study of David, uh, I came to see that David, when he sinned with Bathsheba, he never really recovered. He never became the same man again. He became weaker. In fact, one of the Psalms indicates that he might have at one time gotten very, very close to death and is physically ill. Uh, but then God provided for him, funny enough, that once David left Jerusalem, this is years after Bathsheba, but his, his, he never really got back to where he was. And then God brought his son Absalom to revolt against him, and David left. He left the kingdom. And it was the best thing he ever did. Once he got on horseback and got a spear in his hand and got out in the fresh air, he seemed to have recovered a lot. It did him a lot of good. He was an older man by then. Uh, but his, the damage that he did was irreversible. However, do we each have irreversible byproducts of the sins that we've committed in the past? And I bet every one of us does. I know I do. Here's the thing that God does for us. He doesn't remove the 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 consequence. You know, people say, I remember people saying this, oh, you just rebound and it won't matter. You just confess your sin and you know, uh but I'm I'm still pregnant. <laughs> yeah, it's not going away. Um so what does God do for us? Leave us in it? No. He doesn't take it away but he gives us the ability to overcome the weakness that we ourselves have added to ourselves. He gives us the ability to overcome it. So, And this is in the, the sixth petition. Fifth, sorry. Forgive us, Father. We have to know we're forgiven. That irreversible byproduct of my past decisions is always going to remind me of what I did. And even without that, the thoughts that come from the... I hate it when it happens to me, but the thoughts of my past just pop into my head out of nowhere. Things that I've done that, I'm, that I hate. If I don't know I'm forgiven, these things are going to destroy me. Right? So we should be encouraged. Uh, that though some damage from sin is irreversible, we can overcome the weakness it imparts to us. And by how? Well, through God's Word, through God's Spirit, through prayer, through living the spiritual life with your weakness. It's uh, Again, it reminds me of the... I keep mentioning it, but the, the scene in... Um, I think it's the second episode of The Chosen from this season. That the character of James in the Bible, he's called James the Less, right? I'd be bummed if I was James and I'm like, well, 
I'd, I'd love to be in the Bible. At least he's in the Bible. But you've got James, whose nickname is Thunder, and you've got James the Less. In the show, they call him Little James. And in the show, they gave him a limp. He's got a defective hip. And when Jesus gives him, he tells them, I'm going to send you out two by two, and I'm going to give you the power to heal and to do miracles. And little James pulls him aside and says, why won't you heal me? I've seen you heal countless others. Why won't you heal me? Now you're giving me the power to heal, and you won't heal me. And Jesus says to him, imagine the glory you bring to God when though you have a handicap, you are able to help others out of handicap. All of us have these things that from our past that we've done that has caused us weakness. And God says, look, you can set people free by your strength even though you have weakness. Think of how that glorifies me. Because this isn't about you, is it? No. <laughs> no, Lord, it's not. This is about glorifying Him. All of life is. So, Proverbs 3 says, My son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. By what? Let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. So, How do I get my peace back if I've lost it through sin? Keep His commandments. Don't continue. Keep His commandments. Don't continue in the sin and find the ability and strength because you can overcome it. And same for me. There's things that I still need to overcome. There are things in my life that are still too powerful over me. And they need to go. All right, so five minutes. All right, you want to have a little fun? Okay, this is what I call fun. Greek. Right? You know, I can read that now. Uh, you're impressed. I know you're impressed. It's actually not hard Greek at all. Um, so the reason why I give this to you, and this, this actually works out well, because it's really not a part of tomorrow's lesson or today's, There's a word here that no one knows what it means. Let me get my, I can get a pen. This word, the tone in front, oh, look how straight my line is. That's all right. That, uh, this tone right here, that looks terrible, hold on. This is the, the word the. It's a definite article. This is the word that nobody knows. And we've translated it daily. Give us today. So the first word, uh, artan, is bread. This is bread. This is our bread. <laughs> Looks like a heart. Whew. My shaky hands. All right. Our bread is right here. This is the word to give. Give. To us, and uh, Samaron is today. 
So those words are all clear. They're easy. The bread, our, give, dos, D-O-S, to us today. The, our bread, give to us today. And this word in the middle is nowhere else in the Bible, and it's nowhere else in Greek literature except one place. And that one place that we know where it is is at the end of like a shopping list. It's uh, it's a list for, um, uh, what is it, chickpeas and straw and some kind of cloth. And at the end of the list, it has this word, epiosion. Right? I kind of I put it in English down. So I give us today, what is this word, our bread? And just so you know, it's it's a funky word. Uh being in a shopping list, it's just part of the list, so we can't tell what it is. It's not in the context of a sentence. Uh, so, what we have done is tried to take the word and, you know, split it up into parts. Oops. I, didn't, I shouldn't have done math. Anyway, uh, just so you know, it, it, so it, it can mean necessary for existence. Is one idea. It can mean tomorrow is another idea. And it can mean today. And it's probably the third. Today's bread. And so that's why it's translated like that. But the, the last word also means today. So you've got our bread daily give to us today. And that's how it's translated. So we we just see here a, a slight blip. It's the only place in the Lord's Prayer where the language is, you know, it's got a linguistic issue. And the interpreters, nobody can really unravel it. So what did the Lord mean? If we take all three, uh, give us today our bread for tomorrow, give us today our bread for today, or give us today our bread necessary for life. Which one? You know what? It doesn't matter. Because all three of them kind of say the same thing. Our bread for tomorrow, having it today, means I'm not worried about tomorrow. The Lord's going to provide my needs. My necessary bread for today, the Lord's going to provide my needs. The things that I need that are necessary, the Lord's going to provide my needs. And so that little word, epiusion, as you can see down there in English, Ah, it's like all kinds of stuff written about it. And I, I read through it all and uh, it gave me a slight headache because, you know, there was really no conclusion to it. All right. So what have we learned today? The last three petitions are in order on purpose. Our physical needs have to be met. Our spir- or, Sorry, our mental needs have to be met by God. And then knowing that, I'm not anxious about this or that. I don't have an incredibly low self-image. I'm not carrying a bag of bricks of guilt about sin. I'm free. And as someone who is free and not anxious, I can pursue this spiritual life, this narrow road. It takes, as you know, it takes a heck of a lot of concentration. It takes, a, it takes ability spiritually to focus, to keep your eyes on the Lord, 
to not get distracted. We're surrounded by temptations. We have temptations within and temptations without. And we've got to focus. And knowing that all of this is, is provided for us by God, then we can. And that's why the last three, in my opinion, are in the order that they are. Now we can pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you that you do provide our needs, our material needs, our mental needs, and our spiritual needs. We are sinners, Father. We, you, know, you know this more than we do. But what have you said about our sin? It is cast as far as the east is from the west. It is no longer remembered by you. Though you know it, Father, you do not take it into account. Because our Lord Jesus, when he died, was judged in our place. Our sins were judged upon him. We know, Father, that this doesn't make us want to sin. And I pray that each of us find that place spiritually where we hate it as much as you do, Father, or at least somewhat as much as you do, and so that we would pursue that which is important and see light as you would have us see it and and to please you. We thank you, Father, for this prayer. We thank you for the ability to pray. May we continue to do so as we seek you, your plan, and your glory. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.